turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and uh, also 2 Peter 1. 1 Corinthians 3 and 2 Peter 1. This morning, we talked about the new birth. That's where it began. But how many of you understand, uh, and this is the title of this, this little short sermon, Babies Don't Stay Cute Forever. <laughs> babies Don't Stay Cute Forever. Uh, we expect babies to cry. We expect babies... Uh, to uh, keep us awake at night. Uh, We expect babies to uh, demand a lot of time and attention, and that's cute when they're babies. But after a while, we want them to grow up. Is that right? And here we are on the cusp of a new year. And how many of you say, Pastor, I want to grow up in the Lord this year. I don't want to just be a year old physically, but I want to grow a year spiritually. Would you wave your hand at me like that? I want that. I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow. Father, bless these thoughts for our hearts tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul writes a, a, a tough, tough letter uh, to the church at Corinth. And he, he describes them in uh, less than flattering words. He uses words that uh, describe uh, 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 such as carnal and babies and uh, children later on in the book. You're at 1 Corinthians 3, look at verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men." Look at me tonight. Church, listen. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with how long you've been saved. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with how long you've been saved. You can be saved a year and be more spiritually mature than someone who's been saved for 20 years. Spiritual maturity does not is not to uh, coincide with uh, with physical age. Now it ought to, amen. If you've been saved for ten years, you ought to be more mature than someone who's been saved for a year. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you are. Here in the Bible in First uh, Corinthians thirteen, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, and look at the terms that he describes them. Uh, how he describes them. I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. That word carnal means fleshly. It also means natural. The Bible talks about the natural man, and it's talking about the carnal man or the fleshly man. Let me say something about babies. Babies are all about appetites. Babies are all about desires. Make me comfortable. Let me sleep. Give me something in my mouth. I want to eat. That's babies. Amen. And uh, why do we say, be careful, careful, what, do they, what, is that, what does that little one have in their hand? What does he have in his hand? Why do we do that? Because where's it going next? If it's in his hand, where's it going next? It's going in his mouth, right? Babies are all about appetites. Uh, uh, and, and by the way, babies are uh, indiscriminate about this. It may be nasty, it may be dirty, uh, it may cause them to choke, but it's going in their mouth. Is that right? Why? Because it's all about appetite. It's about what they want. Uh, 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 there's a philosophy in Christianity today, and way back in 1975, 
I was a five-year-old kid. And Bill Hybels and his buddy went around uh, uh, Illinois and taking a pole and taking a, uh, uh, a pole going door to door saying, what do you like about church? What do you not like about church? And, uh, and they made up their mind they were going to create uh, seeker-sensitive. It wasn't a term back then. But, but what you and I would think of as seeker-sensitive, we're, we're going to find a church that meets the needs of the unchurched. What is the unchurched like and not like about church? And we're going to create a church that will appeal to the carnality of man and, and unchurched folks. And let me tell you something, my dear friend. Listen, <laughs> you know what happened? There are a lot of people came, and, and Bill Hybels himself, I read an article uh, years ago, it's been years ago now, but, but some 20, 25 years after that, when tens of thousands had attended, he said, you know, this philosophy has not produced mature Christians. Hey, guess what? Babies are about appetite. Give me what I want. Give me the music I want. Give me the program I want. Now, folks, I don't think church ought to be uh, uh, distasteful, but but but. Church is a place where God's people come together. The truth is given. Sometimes it tastes good. Sometimes it hurts. But we need the truth. Amen. It's not about what I, what I want. It's what God. I learn what, what God wants. That's what we're here for. Not to uh, uh, satisfy fleshly appetites. Babies are all about appetites. I'll tell you something else about babies. Babies choke easily. We mentioned that. Babies choke easily. Look at what he said in verse number two. I have fed you with milk. And not with meat. Why? For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Because you're not ready for it. You couldn't take it. Uh, babies uh, start off on milk. Why? Because milk is easy to swallow. But if that's, listen. If you can't take something that's a little tough to swallow. If you can't take some meat. If you can't take someone uh, 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 telling the truth. And stepping on our toes as we would say. And giving us the truth. And it making us squirm and hurt a little bit. That is a sign of spiritual immaturity. Now my friends listen to me. We all need preaching as I said this morning. We all need to be under the word. We all need to be preached to. Amen. Well, and by the way, if you're spiritual, you're going to get more preaching, not less preaching. Amen. You're going to find a way to get more preaching, not less spiritual, uh, preaching. And by the way, if you're getting less preaching, then guess what's happening? You're going backwards spiritually, not growing up spiritually. Tell you something else about babies. They cry when they don't get their way. <laughs> Look at verse number three. For ye are yet carnal, that means fleshly, appetite-centered, for whereas there is among you Envying. Webster's Dictionary says this. Envy is the feeling of uneasiness at the supposed prosperity and happiness of another. Why should someone else's prosperity and happiness make me uneasy? Why would I not be happy for God showing favor to another person? Because I'm a baby Christian. And uh, he calls this uh, envying. Um, uh, let me, let me uh, help you. Jealousy is when I want what someone else has. Envy is when I want what someone else has, but because I can't have it, I don't want them to have it either. Envy is a little kid who is given, uh, uh, given, uh, uh, given a toy, and, and the other little kid says, I want the toy. And the adult says, no, no, that's for Johnny. Billy, that's not for you, that's for Johnny. And Billy comes over to get it. And, uh, and, 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 and the adult says, no, Billy, that's not for you, that's for Johnny. And the adult takes, turns their back and Billy over, goes over and gets John, Johnny's truck and he smashes it on the ground. 
Why? Because if, if he can't have what Johnny has, he don't want Johnny to have it either. You know what? That's childishness. That's childish. And you know what that does? It brings into a church, look at it, envying and strife. Strife. You know what you have to watch out for in the nurseries? Every once in a while we get them. Biters. Biters. <laughs> Do you know kids hit sometimes? And they bite. And they throw temper tantrums. If they don't get their way, they get mad. The Bible says that's baby. That's baby stuff. Envying, strife, and divisions. Divisions. Pushing kids away. Pushing people away. Causing two people to be in conflict with one another. Listen, the Bible says that's baby stuff. That's baby stuff. You show me, listen, you show me a spiritually mature congregation and I'll show you a, a church that's in unity. And you show me a church that's unified and becoming fraction, and I'll show you some baby Christians who aren't getting their way, who don't want someone else to help me out now, who don't want someone else to get their way. Envyings, strife, and divisions. Now turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Let me show you. I'm going to I'm challenge you this year, dear friend. I'm glad you saved. How many of you saved? Say amen. How many of you on your way to heaven? Raise your hand in the air, wave it at me. I'm going to heaven when I die. Hallelujah, I'm on my way to heaven. All right, wave it at me. Praise God. How many you glad you're going to heaven? Amen. Okay, wonderful. Now, how many of you want more than just a ticket out of hell? Amen. How many want to grow spiritually? All right. There's a couple checklists in the Bible, and here's one of them. Here's a spiritual checklist for you. The Bible said in verse number 5 of 1 Peter, he said, and beside this, giving all diligence, in other words, this is something you have to work at, Add to your faith. Now stop right there. Faith is the first thing. We want to number and you can number them. Number one. Second Peter chapter one, verse five. Did I give you the wrong reference? Forgive me. Okay, second Peter. Sorry. Second Peter. Thank you for your patience there. That's spiritual maturity. That's we'll find here in a moment. <laughs> second Peter chapter one. And uh, the Bible said, verse number five, beside this, giving all diligence. So it's something you've got to work at. You have to be diligent at this. It doesn't come naturally. You have to work at it. Uh, 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 giving all diligence, add to your faith. The first thing is faith. Faith, that's, where you, that's the starting point. That's the new birth. The, uh, the just shall live by faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. Romans 4, 5, faith is counted for righteousness. So that's where you start. When you got born again, you got born again by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. But he said to this, add to your faith. By the way, the little phrase add to there, Brother Hamilton, stand up for just a minute. It has uh, the idea, uh, Reese, come up here, RJ, jump up here real quick. It, this, uh, let me show you something. This little phrase, add to, uh, is uh, it's a lot like our phrase, joining hands. It's like joining hands. So, uh, <laughs> uh, joining hands. Take my hand. Uh, uh, so, in, in this verse, we're joining hands. We add to his faith. We add to our faith virtue. And we add to, and we add to. What God is showing is this. In other words, this is not, these are not standalone uh, 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 characteristics. 
These are things we add to. We start with salvation. How many again are saved? You're on your way to heaven. Wave at me. I'm, I'm going to heaven when I die. How, are you glad about that? Amen. Amen. How about two hands? Are you glad to be saved? Okay. Do you want to stay a baby Christian? All right. We're going to have to add some things to our salvation. Thank you so much. We're going to have to join some things to our salvation. So what's the second thing? The second thing is virtue. Virtue. Virtue is moral excellence. Virtue is moral excellence. Now, folks, listen to me. Listen. I, I'm all for serving the Lord. I'm for, I'm for winning souls to Christ. I'm for singing in the choir. I'm for teaching Sunday school classes. I'm for running buses. But let me tell you something. No amount of bus running, no amount of soul winning, no amount of singing in the choir will excuse a lack of moral excellence. You don't get a free pass on morality because you're busy for God. The first thing you add to your faith, the Bible says, is moral excellence. You add virtue. Let me give you some synonyms. Decency, morality, integrity, purity, honor, sanctity, goodness, chastity, virginity. These are moral excellencies. In Acts chapter 19 and verse number 19, the Bible says these folks that got saved, took, they, they were in idol worship and their curious arts and their books and so forth. And they took those things and they made a burn pile out of it. Amen. You know what you need to do after you get saved? You need to go home and look for anything in your life that does not qualify as moral excellence. And it needs to be burned. It needs to be deleted. It needs to be thrown out. If it's in your vocabulary, it needs to be deleted. If it's in your video collection it needs to be thrown out if it's in your music collection it needs to be burned or thrown out add to you listen do you want to grow up listen you want to grow up in the Lord listen the things we used to do we don't do them anymore amen we're Christians we're God's people we walk differently we talk differently we act differently we live differently add to your faith virtue then he says this add to your faith virtue and then what's the next one knowledge let me tell you what that is. That's getting to know God. I'm not education. He's talking about getting to know God. And would you like to know how you get to know God? You get to know God through His Word right here. Do you want to grow up spiritually? Hey, you will stay a baby Christian. So I'm glad I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Don't expect me to give up my Alabama now. <laughs> baby Christian. Well, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm saved and everything, I love it, but, but don't expect me to give up my fill in your blank. Of the godless entertainers that you saturate your mind with. Help me out now. You want to grow up? I'm just asking if you want to grow up. If you want to suck your thumb the rest of your life, and, and, and God love you. I'm, I'm glad you're saved, but I don't want you to stay a baby for a long time. I don't want you to stay a baby. I, if, you're saved, if you've been saved for a while, you shouldn't be so demanding. You shouldn't be causing division. Your life shouldn't be about your appetites. Amen. So what does it mean? It means add moral excellence. Then next, knowledge. That's the knowledge of God. Proverbs 2, 5. Find the knowledge of God. Number four, what do we add? Temperance. Temperance. Temperance is self-control. Do you know what we have a tendency to do in the Christian life? We have a tendency to swing the pendulum too far one way or the other. We're reactionary. 
That's what the news media is all about. Uh, So-and-so said this. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? And they stick a microphone in your nose. What they want? They want your reaction. Oh, that's just awful. Oh, I think it's the greatest thing in all the world. What They're looking for reaction. God's people, as you grow in the Lord, you, as you get to know God, you learn temperance. That is, temperance is what controls you from swinging too far one way or the other. You know, for example, the world's always changing things that we're supposed to do and not supposed to do. You know, you're supposed to eat eggs, you're not supposed to eat eggs. Eggs will kill you, eggs will make you live till you're 110 years old. Right? Eat the white but not the yolk, eat the yolk but not the white. Uh, wheat bread is the best thing in all the world. Wheat, wheat bread will put you in the early grave. Lay the baby on his back, lay the baby on his stomach, lay the baby on his I mean, you know. I'm sure there's some wisdom in all that. But here's what we have a tendency to swing the pendulum even in spiritual things and in life itself. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 103 that the word of God is like honey. Oh, honey. Man, honey is good. We need all the honey we can get. But it also said in Proverbs 25, 16 that honey can make you sick. Honey can make you sick. Oh, I'm eliminating all honey from my diet. Now, that's what we do in the Christian life and in life. Temperance tends toward overreactions. So temperance is a disciplined, listen to me carefully, a disciplined mind, a disciplined body, and disciplined emotions. That's temperance. Now, if you want to grow in the Lord, listen, you, 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 can I help you for just a moment? You don't fall apart when bad things come into your life. Bad things are going to come into your life. Heartache's going to come into your life. Trials and temptations are going to come in your life. Guess what? A Christian with some temperance, it doesn't mean they don't grieve. It doesn't mean they don't hurt, but they don't fall apart. Amen? By the way, which is wise, the Bible said don't rejoice because the devils are subject to you because you, because you healed somebody. Don't rejoice. He said, no, rejoice because your name's in the book of life. You know what God, God was saying? Don't, God actually told his disciples, he said, don't rejoice too much. Huh? I thought we were supposed to rejoice evermore. I thought we were supposed to, in everything, give thanks. But what God is saying is, don't get so excited when everything is going fantastic because the opposite of that is gloom and doom when it doesn't go our way. Let me tell you something. Yes, we ought to say, thank God, praise God, God healed my loved one. Things are good, hallelujah. But it's good over here when we bury our loved ones. Amen. He's still good. He's still God. And temperance keeps us. Listen, God's people, listen. Let me help you. God's people ought to be pleasant all the time. You can be sad and be pleasant. You can be happy and be pleasant. But God's people ought to be pleasant. Amen. Temperance. What's the next one? Look at it. Patience. Oh boy, here we got to it, didn't we? (laughs) Let me give you a definition for patience. Cheerful endurance. Cheerful endurance. It means you can face little things and big things in life. And still keep a sweet attitude. That's what it means. You know, <clears throat> do you ever think sometimes in the course of the day, I cannot believe that's all it took to get me out of sorts. You ever feel that? Somebody cut you off in traffic, somebody do some dumb thing, and, and you <coughs> <coughs> wait for them to drive by. <laughs> and you know, if we just stop thinking about it, it's sad how little it takes to get us out of sorts. You know what maturity is? And here we're building these things, remember? We added to our faith, what? Virtue, moral excellence. We added knowledge, getting to know God. 
we added to knowledge temperance, self-control, meaning we didn't leave one and move to the other. We're adding these things, and we added to temperance, patience, cheerful endurance. Number six, we added godliness. Godliness is God-likeness. It's what it is. It's being like God. You know what God is? Jonah was mad because God sent revival to uh, Nineveh. He, in, in an accusatory tone in Jonah chapter 4, he said, God, you're so merciful. You're so gracious. <laughs> you're slow to anger. You're kind. And you repent of the evil. In other words, God stopped himself from judging the Assyrians. You, you, you want to be like God? Be merciful. Be gracious. You know what grace is? Treating people better than they treat you. The Bible said our speech should always be with grace. You should always talk better about others than they talk about you. Slow to anger. It doesn't mean you don't get mad. Sometimes you need to get mad. But it means you don't ever fly off the handle. You don't have a temper. You don't go around steamy and stormy. You, when you get mad, you're like Jesus. You sit down, you decide what you're going to do, you make your accord, and then you go take care of business in the temple, flip some tables if you have to, but you don't lose it. He's kind, the Bible said, even to the unthankful and the evil, and he repents of the evil. That means he decided not to go through with his plans of judgment. And sometimes you say, I have every right to do such and such, but repenting of the evil means, you know what, but I'm not going to. Can I tell you what God-likeness is? Is when you could absolutely put someone in their place. And you don't. That's God-likeness. And then look what he says. Two more things. Number seven, brotherly kindness. Isn't that amazing? We, we ain't got the kind, We get the kindness. Just now getting the kindness. Just now getting the kindness. And then number eight, charity. You want to study charity, go to 1 Corinthians 13, right? Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Charity never faileth. Listen, my friends, I don't know about you, but I go through that list and I think, whew, I got a lot of room to grow. How many say, Pastor, I got a lot of room to grow? Yeah, there's a little maturity checklist for you. Let's ask the Lord tonight. Let's just bow our heads tonight. What we do this? Let's do something a little different tonight. Let's just all ask the Lord to help us grow up. I'm going to go down here with my family. And I'm just going to ask you if you're physically able to go down here and just kneel with your family. Some of you may not be physically able. I understand that. But if you're physically able, maybe if you're by yourself, just kneel down by yourself. Let's Let's ask God to bless this coming year. Ask the Lord to help us grow up in the things of God. And, um, and, and add some of these things that we read about. How many of you, again, you say, I want to grow up in the Lord, Pastor. I want to do that. Amen. Let's ask God to do that. Amen. Find your little spot somewhere at the front, around the auditorium, wherever is convenient for you. And let's just bow down together. Take a few moments. I'll close us in prayer here in just a minute. But let's take a few minutes.